0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show. Every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9.
1: Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is The World Wide Way. Yes, it's World
2: Wide Wave Time, Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt, and we are live from the Victorian studios in the magnificent uh, Pride Centre, uh, where tonight I'm joined again by Andrew. Good evening, Andrew.
1: Oh, good evening, Matt. How are you?
2: Very good. Now, this week is the sixth anniversary of the horrific Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando, Florida. It was an attack that left 49 members of the LGBTI community dead, with most also part of the Latinx community. We remember them. And it is within this shadow that tonight we focus on the dark side of racism, but this time within our own community.
1: The LGBTQIA plus community is a diverse mix, but not always a cohesive mix. Numerous studies and countless personal experiences have demonstrated sexual racism inside our community. Discussing sexual racism against Asian gay men, tonight we're joined by Dr. Jean Lim from Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University.
2: And we want you to be a part of the show tonight. The best and the worst of dating apps. What experiences have you had? Your best, your worst, your funniest, your craziest. Welcoming to the studio now Dr Jean Lim from Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. Hello Jean. Good evening fellas. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us. Great to be here sexual racism. What do right. we
0: mean when we're talking sexual racism? So we're talking about something that's quite contentious, right? So we're talking about how people understand who they're attracted to, who they want to sleep with, who they want to date um, in very racialized terms, right? So I think none of us here are stranger to you know all those messages and apps uh, and, and, and sort of profile messages that we see that denote all manner of, like, racial um, preferences, Mm -hmm. shall we say. So it's stuff like no Asians, no blacks, you know, and any sort of permutation thereof, right? (laughs) So, you know, sexual racism is something that's really felt very personally by people of color. Um, At the same time, it's something that I think a lot of us have to learn to um, sort of address in ourselves that's very challenging at some uh usually <laughs> now you're more um
2: embedded in this issue than most people indeed you've gone on to study it as well where did you yeah. wh- why did you choose this as a field of study
0: well i think the main thing that i was thinking um when i first embarked on my phd was sort of this I was I was really sort of curious to see how it affected people beyond just intimate life. You know, because like from my own experiences I knew I knew that it wasn't something that just affected me in dating, you know, and in the community, but it was something that I brought into like my into my friendships, into sort of like the way that I interacted with other people. You know, it's it's not something that you can just kind of um compartmentalize and keep you know, in a closet, so Mm. to speak. (laughs) But you had personal experiences yourself? Well, I feel like almost every Asian person has had personal experiences in this sort of area. But a lot of it starts out, you know, as a young queer person, I identify as a bisexual myself. Um, It starts out, you know, trying to get your foot into the dating, into dating, uh, either via like dating apps or going to like bars um, and you very quickly realize that people don't see you as you right like they they sort of see you first and foremost as Asian how did you realize that well you know it's very it takes I think I would I would have to be very um, I would to be very I would have to be very like uh, blind <laughs> to not notice it because like you, you have people coming up to you to tell you, unprovoked, that they're just not into Asian men, you know, oh. on dating apps, largely. Mm. But of course, in um, that happens in clubs and even in, in sort of more platonic settings as well, right? So, I remember very vividly going to a university event for queer people. You know, the whole premise was like, you know, it's just a, it's just sort of like a very get casual... To get to know people. Get to know people nothing sexual whatsoever right and I just remember this one person who just like would not look me in the eye as he spoke to me and like he did the same thing for every other person of color that he spoke to that night and it just felt you know and when I brought it up to someone that I was that I went to the event with you know he just told me oh, you're just being sensitive you know and so for a really long time like you, you just wonder if you're just being a bit of a snowflake I guess but your research proves otherwise. Uh, we are going to come into the
2: research a bit more. But from so within your sure. group of friends, right. is is this a is this a hot topic that is um, I think worrying
0: people? And I don't what? think it's so much of a. I mean the whole the whole thing of being disadvantaged in dating and in hooking up just because of your race, like that's something that you kind of just go to accept. You know, you try to kind of. Uh, you try to accommodate your strategy around that, but I think what's more pressing for a lot of us is how it's affected the way that we see ourselves yep. and how we see other Asian men. You know, for a lot of us, like for the longest time, like we wouldn't be able to see other Asian men as potential partners or even as potential sort of even someone that you would casually have sex with. You know.
2: So the, the this
0: this outward racism right. kind of. Yeah, forces you to, to
2: close down a bit? Is
0: that Well, it's sort of an, it sort of has a huge impact on how you see yourself. It's the same thing with homophobia, right? Like think about how many people struggle with internalized homophobia because they've grown up around these messages that it's not okay to be gay. It's you know, being gay is disgusting, it's wrong. And that's something that they internalize and they kind of it kind of embeds itself into their it kind of embeds themse- itself into their minds, you know. In a way that's very like subconscious.
2: Is it also, uh, do you think the racism itself is also subconscious? It's just... Oh, definitely.
0: I think that a lot of people don't understand that, you know, like, don't understand that um, when you say something like that, that's sending a very implicit message that um, Asians are less desirable, that they're less, somehow less worthy of love and of you know, affection and companionship, right? Especially when you hear it over and over and over again, because it's not just from one source, right? Yep. <laughs> it's something that you hear, you see it in a, you'd see it in on a dating profile. Thankfully, that's no longer the case anymore. As more you know, more and more apps are cracking down on that. You'd see it in, you'd, you see it in, um... Even in publications, you know, there's an Australian publication in 2013 that's really well cited, and it's, I think, Jesse Matheson, uh, who now sits on the Sydney Mardi Gras board, huh? um, talking about how, you know, he was, ha- talking about how proud he was to have uh, racial preference against Asians. And then you'd also see it in, you know, you that you'd also hear it from um, your fellow colleagues. You know, I mean, your fellow friends, your fellow Asian men, right? Like you, you, you hear about how they hadn't had a date in so long, or they hadn't had a boyfriend since forever. It just sort of, and it just sort of enforces uh, in your mind that sh- because you're Asian, like it's sort of something that is going to keep you from living your best life.
2: There's a heap to unpack here. We're talking with Dr. Jean Lim from Monash Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. Coming up, we're going to explore the difference between personal preference and racism. You're on World Wide Wave.
0: Out, loud, proud, joy. This is Otan Batar from LGBT Centre of Mongolia and I'm happy to be on World Wide Wave.
2: We put the call out. Uh, We want to hear your thoughts, your experiences, the best or worst of gay dating apps. There's got to be some stories out there, some strange ones, some funny ones, some good ones, hopefully. Lots and lots, I'm sure. Lots and lots. Andrew, you don't have anything to offer us on this one. You were just (laughs) boasting in the studio.
1: I don't really. Well, not at my age, so I'm not big into dating apps, and also I've been with my partner for 28 years.
2: Have you ever used a dating app?
1: I have. Okay, yes.
2: Right. So you know what they are. That's I it. do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I'm going to throw coy. in. I'm going to throw in a good story, which is I met my partner on oh, the. Oh, congratulations! So which one? The uh, Which partner or which? Which which app? <laughs> I'm going to get into trouble for that. Uh, that was uh, Scruff.
1: Scruff. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah.
2: So and still going strong. So yes, but there's got to be some. I'm sure there's some, uh, not so good, and also some weird uh, thoughts out there.
1: Tonight we're interviewing Dr Jean Lim from Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. So um, Jean, how did you go about the research for example? How did you recruit people? Were they keen to be involved? Um, Was there any non-Asian input into the study?
0: Well as you can imagine like it's a very personal topic so Mm. it's quite difficult wrangling people to, to join so I, I had to really kind of dig my heels in, sort of pull every gap, like, you know, try, turn on the charm offensive, try so to recruit as many Asian men as I could, right? There's like something anywhere. that
2: you're saying is so common, though, and there was right. just resistance to talking about it? Or? Well, there's
0: a sense of shame, isn't there? There's a okay. sense of shame to... Um, that a lot of people feel when they experience sexual racism. You know, they feel like it's a really private... Um, it's a really private... Shame, really. Like how many people do you know are really willing to talk about all the times they've been sexually rejected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's like reopening a wound, isn't it? Mm.
2: And and so um in in getting them involved right. they were once they got in were they, you know, did you, they.
0: Yeah, a lot of them were really were really um glad to have the opportunity to talk to someone about it because you know a lot of these a lot of these individuals, they come from families that may or may not be quite accepting of um, of their sexuality, and I know that it's a bit of a pernicious stereotype that you know Asian families aren't very accepting of um, non-straight <laughs> their non-straight offspring, but unfortunately, that can be true for quite a few people. So they don't really have a lot of outlets to talk to, and they they a lot of them did reach out to other Asian men, but. Uh, something that I found in my research was that you know the the same kind of sexual racism that these Asian men experience collectively, right? That sort of pits them in competition with one another, you know, for basically the few men who are willing to be with Asian men, and so that really puts us, yeah, that really puts a barrier between being able to forge meaningful relationships and and even friendships between. Asian men.
1: Do you think this racism is more targeted at the Asian community, other than...
0: I think of late, yeah, because of, you know, because of the pandemic. You know, we've ha- we've had a lot of anti, um, we've had a lot of Sinophobia sort of roaming around, and I think, um, you know, racists don't necessarily stop, drop, and check to see if you're actually Chinese, or if you're, you know, <laughs> from any other, from any one of the plethora of other nations in Asia. So I think a lot of the xenophobia that you see coming out of the um, pandemic sort of basically, you know, parlays into anti-Asian racism. And do you think um, people are more likely to be racist on the app versus the real life situation? Well, that really depends on kind of racism, right? Like, you know, Um, as as a researcher, you you know, um, we look at various kinds of racism. There's interpersonal racism, which sort of speaks to, like, you know, going up to someone and saying really awful things about them just on the basis of their race. And then there's also more subtle dimensions of racism, right? Sort of the exclusion, like, when people don't want to talk to someone because of their race. Like, unfortunately, we haven't really quite progressed so far from the <laughs> on the preschool playground in that respect <laughs> for many of us um so i think interpersonal racism is a lot more prevalent online people are a bit more bold uh, mm-hmm. they're a bit they know that they won't face consequences for yeah fewer inhibitions yeah about it. but you, we need to understand that these are the same people that are in clubs, or in bars, or in, you know, the dating pool, right? Like, it's not as if there are two different spheres of people who are exclusively online and exclusively offline. Everyone who's offline is also online. Mm. Mm. Do you think this racism is more prevalent in the gay community than the uh, general population? Well, look, I think that this is a really complex topic, personally, because I think that a lot of people have been a bit more... A lot of gay... Men have been a bit more vocal about this, you know. But recently, there's been a lot of research coming up that, even among, um, even among queer women, the lesbian community, you know, there are a lot of exper there are a lot of similar experiences, qualitatively, qualitatively identical experiences. You know, on um, apps like Her huh and Tinder and Bumble, you know, you see a lot of Asian women. You know, you you see a lot of Asian women actively discriminate against their Asian cohorts in ways that we, we don't see on Grinder anymore. So this is uh, discriminating
2: against other Asian women?
0: Yeah, uh, No, um, white women. Oh, white women discriminating against... Discriminating against, okay, against yeah. Yeah. Asian women on, like, on apps. So, and I don't think it's a uniquely gay issue, right? I think it's more so that gay men have sort of been afforded a bit of leeway in, in general... You know, because uh, gay men are part There's of There's not as many rules? Well, or? no, because gay men are part of a, a marginalised um, group, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think in many ways the expectation is that being part of a marginalised group, you're beal- you're able to understand the experiences of people who are also marginalised. You know, never mind that it's two different kinds of marginalisation. Mm. Shouldn't
2: that help then? If you've had an experience no. being marginalised and a negative one...
0: Shouldn't you? I'm afraid not. Learn from that, and I'm afraid not, because I think oppression, like being oppressed, being discriminated against, that doesn't necessarily teach you compassion, right? What that teaches you to do is how to discriminate against other people. Do you know what I mean? So, in in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it kind of makes you an expert at it. Ironically,
1: that is horrible. It's a bit scary. Yes. Terrible. Now, in your research, um, yeah. you said that a lot of uh, Asian men reported putting themselves in unsafe or exploitative situations. Yes, because course. that was the only place they could get intimacy. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Oh, yeah. So, you know, you have a lot of... So, think about it from this from this angle, right? Like, imagine that you're, you're an Asian man, you know, you're in an app. Like, no one is talking to you. No one wants to talk to you or wants to hook up with you, right? And then suddenly, someone shows you interest, Right Someone shows you someone starts talking to you and says, "Hey, do you want to come do this, this and that?" and me and a lot of times these people that approach these Asian men they know that that's the kind of situation that they're facing in their intimate lives,
2: so they taking. they're kind of taking they're advantage,
0: kind of, taking advantage of, of 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 what of of the um racism that they experience right yeah. and so like they pr- they they may Asked them to do things that they normally wouldn't. So, like, one participant who, you know, was, you know, was made, I, w- I wouldn't say made, but he was sort of convinced to participate in a lot of very, like, extreme sexual practices, like fisting, like tying up, like, extreme bondage. Like, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I think coercing someone who isn't in that scene into doing that is a bit morally dubious. So, you know, it's not so much that they don't feel like they have no recourse. It's more so that this it's is... an added pressure. Yeah, it's sort of an added pressure. It's like, well, if I don't accede to this, like that, then I'm not getting laid, right? So it, it's sort of that kind of mental calculus that goes on. Mm. We're talking all things sexual racism, particularly
2: with dating apps, uh, with our guest tonight, Dr. Jean Lim from Monash University. and uh, And and also La Trobe University. Uh, Coming up, we'd like to talk a bit more about what we can do to make our rainbow community a bit more inclusive. You're listening to World Wide Wave. Our diverse communities
1: have one home. Joy. I'm Stefan from Taiwan. You're listening to World Wide Wave you're on the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time worldwide wave and we want to give a special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast you can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or on itunes or on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave us a review
2: The other way you can get involved is actually by becoming a volunteer here at Joy, as both you and I are, Andrew. Yes. Um, You can get involved in all sorts of areas, whether that's sort of the operations side, keeping everything running from the front desk through to IT support, um, or um, marketing communications, podcasting, um, helping with community service announcements, or, of course, what we do, which is presenting on air each and every week. Which is a lot of fun. We have a monthly volunteer information session that you can register for. Yeah. And it's so easy. Go to joy.org.au and register your interest. We'd love to have you a part of the Joy family. From coming out to reaching out, fighting for change or battling to be heard, these are the stories of the diverse Rainbow community from across the globe. Coming to you from Australia's LGBTIQ radio station, Joy. We're talking sexual racism tonight with Dr. Jean Lim from Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. Jean, what's the difference between somebody's personal preference and sexual racism?
0: There must be a line that you cross. I don't think that it's an either or. You know, in, in a lot of ways, sexual racism permeates a lot of what we, you know, a lot of the ways that we, th- it informs the ways that we think of our own preferences, right? So, I have I've ha- I've had like participants who talk extensively about how, you know, their encounters with pornography, right, especially, um, pornographic depictions of Asian men, which were obviously at the time very informed by which were very informed by sexual racism so like you have asian men portrayed in very specific ways you know as effeminate as Submissive? Sort of, yeah and how that kind of worked its way into their into their preferences right so it's not so much that they're sexually racist it's more so that you know their racial their their personal preferences their personal racial preferences contain an element of sexual racism in it and on an individual level, I think that that's a bit difficult to tease apart, right? Like, how do you know, you know, maybe someone's, um, maybe someone's exclusive interest in Asian men is because they were raised around Asian persons, right? And that's just what they have been taught to find attractive throughout their lives. But I think it's more useful to think about it this way. You know, if a lot of people show, you know, if it's... If it's the case that there are tons and tons of people who continually tell you that Asian men are unattractive, right? <laughs> like, yes, each is person has an individual story that results in your preference, but there's sort of an underlying current that ties all of that together. Is that uh,
2: just stereotypes, though?
0: or is it But stereotypes are part of racism, aren't they? Like, stereotypes perform a very coherent sociological function, and that's to other, the, the the targets of those stereotypes, right? So I think that it's maybe not super helpful to try and think of it as a dichotomy between personal preference and sexual racism. It's more useful to perhaps think of it as something that could inform your personal preferences. Alright, so let's talk about how,
2: how we can... I think everybody's got a, 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 a something they can do to help right. in this area, whether it's either raising the issue so that it's talked about. We yep. know the apps themselves have tried to make some changes. Sure. But what,
0: what can people do? I think, like, first of all, it's like recognising how your racial attractions are affecting the way that you treat your fellow queer people, right? I think as a community, as men, you know, we tend to have we tend to treat people we find attractive and whom we're sexually attracted to we tend to treat them a lot better than people that we don't right so and when that collides with sexual racism you know you see a lot of stories of asian men being treated really poorly at you know just within community and it has nothing to do with sex right so i think one way that we could think about how to address this is not I'm not telling you to go out there and you know sleep with every Asian man that you meet Mm -hmm. right I'm telling you to think about how you treat people that you don't find attractive you know think about how you treat people that you think of as unfuckable right like don't let that be the entire basis of how you relate to someone you know and I think it's also important to realize that uh, personal preferences, racial preferences, they're not quite as set in stone as a lot of us like to think. You know, it is possible to, it is possible to, like, p- diversify your preferences. So I meet
2: somebody and yeah. they automatically blow you that stereotype that you had. Oh,
0: of course. So I've, I, I spoke to one per, one participant who was telling me about how he had this one friend, Australian friend, like, all Australian boy, refused to date. Asian men whatsoever he, he thought that they were very unattractive he just couldn't stand you know he couldn't stand that stereotype right yep. but he relocates to Singapore for a couple of years realizes that all of that is a pile of all of that is just in his head you know and he meets an amazing super and kinder together to get, like they've been together for like I don't know a decade almost a decade mm-hmm. so I think it's opening yourself up to the possibility that you might meet someone who is Asian who's mm-hmm. not white you know who, who might whom you might be able to love yep. whom you might meeting be a able person to that you can connect they're with they're a person you know like yes they have a different skin colour than you but so what <laughs> should we
2: should we be if we see it should we call it out is it incumbent on everybody to call it out and is it actually more important for somebody who's not Asian to call it out ha. Uh,
0: This is a difficult one, so it's like there are a whole plethora of different kinds of ways that sexual racism shows up. And I think the danger that we run into with calling things out as someone who's not Asian is that you're kind of speaking for a group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I've seen it personally where someone's very well-meaning, you know, tries to call sexual racism out. But what that really ends up doing is kind of like hardening the person's heart against the whole concept of sexual racism you know they really just double down and refuse to see their behavior or their preferences problematic in any way right and i think that maybe a gentler approach is needed Mm -hmm. you know for a lot of people right their racialized preferences are not something that they hold very like they don't hold it willingly right it's something that And I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing that has kind of eluded discussion, is that a lot of people don't understand that, you know, like, who you choose to be attracted to isn't really something that that you are able to decide. So I know a lot of people who are really anti-racist, who really believe in racial equality, but they just, their, you know, their racial preferences just don't line up with that. And that's not their fault at all, right? Like you know, what we find attractive, what we're attracted to, what we want, right? Like that's so informed by a thousand Old different things, things yeah. that are, that we, many of which we're not even aware of. So I think, yes, definitely call it out, but also, you know, maybe a gentler approach is, you know, is required. Like maybe you take down the side and say, like, why do you think this way? You know what I mean? Like, why? What makes you so sure that this person is entirely unredeemably attractive, unattractive just because they're Asian? It's such a complex area, it is going to
2: keep yeah. you busy for many years to come in your studies. Dr. Jean Lim from Monash University and the Australian Centre, sorry, the Australian Research Centre <laughs> in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us on World Wide Weight. Yeah, thank you for having me. The world's longest-running radio show dedicated to international LGBTIQ news and current affairs. This is World Wide Wave from Australia's Rainbow radio station, Joy 94.9.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is
0: Yang Fa from Singapore. You are listening to World Wide Wave. Lots of love to everyone at Joy 94.9.
2: Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Dr. Gene Lim from Monash University and the Australian Research Centre in sex health and society at La Trobe university you can find out more on both university websites
1: and thank you very much to everybody who has left us messages on facebook there was richard jennifer bev and a heap more who've joined or interacted with us this past week um, that's w3joy on facebook
2: and we've got a wonderful wonderful behind the scenes team our podcaster peter and our social media master dean
1: thanks so much and we'll be back next week with more World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe, one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs
2: show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwide Wave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3JOY on Facebook now.
0: Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, JOY. Help us keep JOY on air. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse
1: sound for a diverse community.